1: Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler with my co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, who is with us today. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And we always find... Interesting folks who have new ways of looking at things and today we're going to interview Josh Linkner. Let me tell you a little bit about Josh. Uh, He has a new book that we're going to highlight. It just came out "Disciplined Dreaming. And so what is that? It's a proven system to drive breakthrough creativity. So we're going to be talking about creativity. And Josh uh, is a creative individual. He is a four-time entrepreneur. He is a jazz musician. He is a venture capitalist, he is a speaker, and he is an author. Josh is the founder and chairman of E-Prize. We'll ask him more about that. It's the largest interactive promotion agency in the world. E-Prize has produced over 5,000 industry-leading interactive promotions across 36 countries for 74 of the top 100 brands, including Coca-Cola, and The Gap, Procter & Gamble, uh, Dell, Disney, and many more. Uh, his firm has won dozens of awards, including the Red Herring's Top 100 Technology Firms in North America and uh, the number one fastest growing on Promo 100, Fast Companies Fast 50 Readers' Choice, and 101 Best Places to Work in Michigan. Uh, Josh was named the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year and Crane's 40 uh, Under 40, plus a, a series of other awards. Um, he was the Detroit Executive of the Year. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and frequent source for comment among top businesses. He's been featured in The Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, Ad Adage, The Entrepreneur, Inc. Magazine. He has two books. Uh, the first one, Leaning Forward, but today we're going to be talking about disciplined dreaming. And He lives in Detroit, Michigan, continues to improvise, in both the business world and in the Smoky Jazz Club. So this will be fun to kind of hear how he's bringing us together. His website is www.creativitygeneration.com. And so, Kathy, welcome to the the call.
3: Oh, thanks, really Good to be here. And it sounds like we're going to have a very exciting and creative show.
2: Yes, I think it should be good. So we'll get our juices going. Let me tell you a little bit about Kathy. Um, As you know, uh, Kathy has her proven profit, Happiness Equals Profit Strategies. Kathy has authored multiple books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know and her latest number one bestseller, What Happy Working Mothers Know. Kathy has touched millions of lives as a speaker, uh, TV, radio, and media personality, and she's the founder of the renowned uh, consultancy H2C, and that stands for Happy Companies, Healthy People. She currently offers friendly tips and tools in numerous places. Uh, One is how to be at your best at work on ABC's The Morning Blend and on her new TV web show, Your Happiness Now. Kathy's website is uh, www.h2cleadership.com. She's got free downloads and access to new tools constantly on that website. So, Kathy, that's a little background about you.
3: Oh, well, thank you. That's some nice things (laughs) to say about me. And I would love the audience to know a little bit about you if they haven't met you before. So, for those of you who are listening in for the first time, Dr. Raleigh Nadler is a master-level certified executive coach. And I want to add that um, there are only about 700 MCC-certified coaches globally. So that is something to really, uh, I'll say, crow about. How's that? He's also a psychologist. He's a corporate leadership and team trainer, and. Dr. Nadler brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and, of course, development programs. And Dr. Nadler's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across industries, including yours. His highly respected work is the focus of countless business journals, blogs, and online news features, and his programs are, of course, a mainstay at leading Fortune 500 companies. And you can visit Relly and get a lot of his tools and tips and a lot of free downloads that you can use to access your best performance right now using emotional intelligence at www.truenorthleadership.com. Well, you know, we've been doing this show now for a few years, and uh, a lot of the um, the past shows have focused on why leadership uh, is important, and we know that leadership is a science, and we know that we are continuing to elevate the consciousness of those around us about the importance of leadership. But tell us why leadership development is more important than ever before.
2: Sure, Kathy. We'll go through some of that, and then we'll we'll bring on Josh. So we'd like to talk about um, leadership and why it's so important. We know that 40% of organizations say that they're experiencing a significant gap in the number of skilled or trained leaders available for new jobs today. So there really is a, a gap in that Kathy and I talk about, a brain drain, one with the great recession that we're just hopefully moving out of. America has lost 8 million jobs. We also have They're retiring baby boomers. They're going to leave about a shortfall of 10 million workers. And then we also know from the brain drain that the new generation coming in have lower emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence is a key driver for people to be in the top 10%. And that's kind of what we're striving for here on Leadership Development News, giving you tools and tips to help you and to help the people that you develop to be in the top 10%. And we know leaders are the emotional thermostat for their team. So how the leader is is also the key in how the team is, because emotions are contagious. And one of the things that when we look at it, that what's going to make a top 10% performer, how smart are they, what's their technical expertise, or this aspect of emotional intelligence, about 80 to 90% of it resides in this world of emotional intelligence. So a lot of the topics that we talk about um, here on Leadership Development News give you tips to help you and others move into the top 10%. No,
3: absolutely. And one of the things that uh, I think you and I have found in working together over the years is that the science of happiness, which is a science, and emotional intelligence, which obviously has a lot to do with being a star performer, have A close relationship in terms of their ability to combine to produce the best performance and we know for those of you who have been listeners in the past and who read up on the science of happiness you know we are now measuring gross national happiness in London and Singapore and in the future we will have a an overall formula that actually shows that there is a close tie between happiness and your performance, and it's, we know right now, greater than 93% just in the business world. So leaders are in for some big surprises if they don't do something about this brain drain, and if they don't consciously start working on emotional intelligence and the science of happiness together.
2: That's great, I think at least let our listeners be positioned on, on why we're interviewing Josh and and other key leaders. And so, Josh, we went through your your bio, but let's bring you on now. Um, welcome to Leadership Development News.
4: Thanks so much. It's great to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. And so,
2: where are you now? Are you in Michigan? Is that- I am. Okay. Good. Downtown Detroit. Oh, great. All right, well, good. We're really interested in hearing about your book. Your, your website, www.joshlinkner.com, is a place where you can get your book. But we always like to kind of start off with getting to know a little bit more about your background, maybe who have been some of the key influences you know, that have kind of led you to who you are today.
4: Sure. Well, I, um, I really, originally started my career as a jazz musician and uh, played around, around the world. And uh, actually, that was a wonderful teacher for me in the business world. That became sort of like my MBA. And uh, I've had the privilege over the last 20 years of founding four technology companies, all of which grew to be uh, fairly successful. And um, recently, uh, launched a venture capital firm. So uh, it's been uh, it's been a wonderful career so far. I've also had the privilege of, of writing uh, two books, and this latest one, "Disciplined Dreaming," a proven system to drive breakthrough creativity. It was pretty exciting. Last week, we found out uh, New York Times bestseller, uh, Wall Street Journal, USA Today. So getting a lot of critical acclaim, which is terrific. And um, in terms of influences, uh, you know, I. I I couldn't agree more with your, your premise on, on happiness, and I think that uh, I've had the privilege of, of getting zapped with, uh, with positivity, if you will, from, from a number of key mentors.
3: Well, this is so important because, as we know, those of us who are fortunate enough to become successful optimists, don't do it alone. We really do, as Relly said earlier, uh, we need to have those people around us who create a positive thermostat. So tell tell us a little bit about how you work with an organization or organizations uh, and, and how you get them to talk about their promotion and what they're doing with creativity and innovation. Yeah, so um
4: what I like to do, so again, you know, I had the opportunity to, to, uh, to keynote and, uh, and, and work with many companies uh, of all different sizes, and uh, really what I help reinforce is that creativity and innovation have truly become the currency of success in, in today's, not only the business world, but, but really in life. Um, you know, the world has so dramatically shifted after the recession of, of the last couple of years, and today a whole new set of skills has emerged in order to win. Um, you know, we now live in a world of dizzying speed and ruthless competition and exponential complexity. So uh, we have to approach our jobs and our lives in a very different way in order to succeed. And as it turns out, creativity, in fact, is the one thing that can't be outsourced. It's really the one source of of sustainable competitive advantage. And uh, and I help uh, individuals and companies really connect with that skill. The interesting thing about it, real quickly, is just that we all, as human beings, are incredibly creative. Uh, All the the research points to creativity being a learned behavior instead of, you know, you're either born with it or not. The problem is in our society, we, we grew up in in rigid uh, educational institutions and then take jobs in bureaucratic uh, swamps, and that tends to beat the creativity out of us. So uh, what I like to do is help people kind of connect with their, their own inherent creative capacity. Well, you remind
2: me of something I, I learned uh, a while back, just around creativity. That supposedly, you know, you're two-year-olds. And I don't know if you, do you have kids, Josh.
4: I do. I have a wonderful 13-year-old son and a beautiful 11-year-old daughter. Okay. Well, and I have a young kids. Kathy has has her
2: family also. That um, two-year-olds are like 95 percent highly creative. And then I remember reading that when they get to about seven or eight, and it's kind of exactly what you're saying, that number drops to about five or 10 percent. So they they Learn how to fit into the box, and so um, tell us a little bit about just kind of your findings on creativity, and and you know how do you how do you get organizations first interested in that you know that that's what you're going to be focusing on, and excuse me, and that's what they need to be more of.
4: Well, real quickly, I mean, your point about uh, declining education and how kids sort of grow out of creativity instead of growing into it. A right. quick story. the um, When I was a kid, I played with Legos a lot. And if you looked at a Lego box from, you know, like the 70s, it was a set of modular pieces, and you, you would, you know, could make anything you want with it. So the act of Legos was, you know, you build something with your imagination, you break it apart, and build something again. Today, my kids play with Legos, but but they're very different. You know, the box cover is a specific model. It's filled with single-use pieces, and the goal is to simply follow instructions. You, you build this thing once and stick it on the shelf. And it's the exact opposite trend of what we need in the world to survive uh, today. So um, you know, I, I couldn't agree more that we, we tend to, again, become less creative over time rather than more so. Uh, in terms of, of prioritization, you know, companies in the recession and you know, financial crisis and all this, everyone does the same thing. And the, the, the game plan is you cut costs. Well, you can only do that for so long. And while that does boost short-term profits, you can't cut your way to long-term success. The only way ultimately to get there is to innovate and create. And we live in a world today where nearly every industry is in the midst of massive upheaval. So people are tending to recognize that they can't cut their way to success, and at the same time, they can't just do what they did before. They know that they need to do something different. And the question is what? The question is how do I reinvent my company? How do so, I reinvent my career in order to reach the goals uh, in today's uh, highly competitive environment?
2: So, Josh, let, let's leave you. Let's leave our audience with that question just because we're going to have to go to a break, and then we'll come right back. How do I re- reinvent? Reinvent my career? How do I reinvent my organization? Sounds great. Okay, this is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
6: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
3: Thank you for tuning in to Tune Up Your Leadership with Leadership Development News. You're listening here today to Josh Linkner talk about his new book, Disciplined, dreaming. And Josh, when we went to break, we were talking about creativity and play. We were talking a little bit about what the U.S. needs to continue to compete successfully in the global economy. Do you think in all of the experience that you've had at these top companies, these great Fortune 500 companies like Coca-Cola and AT&T and The Gap and Procter & Gamble and Disney, do you think there's something about education that, uh, that needs to be different or help us do something uh, to, to radically compete in this market? You know, I do. The education is sort of an interesting thing. Um, If you look at education
4: overseas, and specifically China and India, it's starting to mirror more like what the U.S. had done previously, fostering innovation and creativity. However, we have the exact opposite trend here in the U.S. We're focusing more on rigidity and memorization and rote, um, you know, technical abilities. So uh, I think this is a deep problem. And we have a creativity gap in the world right now, in the U.S. specifically, where the need for creativity is clearly on the increase, yet our creative supply is sort of decreasing not because we're less creative as human beings, but we haven't developed those skills. So a lot of times when I work with with companies, I help them really reconnect to making this a priority and then offering up a specific tool set so they can build those, if you will, creativity muscles.
3: Can you talk talk a little bit more about that? Because I, I just did an ABC segment on the fact that kids in the United States are suffering from a lack of competition because they're competing with the children of tiger moms. And tiger moms are very much about the Asian culture of repetition, respect, and, uh, and recall. So there's, there's some, some things here that I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about. Sure. Well, I mean,
4: I, I think, you know, being in the business world, uh, as, as I have been for many years, I don't know that most people are sitting around saying, gee, I don't have that much competition. I mean, you're, you're sort of seeing the opposite of that, even at a career level. And so, you know, the old world used to be able to uh, get a degree, get a job, work hard, follow the operating manual, do what you're told, and 30 late, years later, you, grad, you 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 retire with a gold watch. Well, that world, as we all know, doesn't exist anymore. And so today, um, people might get hired based on their resume, based on, you know, the tiger mom, but, but they're going to get promoted it and they're going to excel in their career really based on their ability to improvise and to adapt to situations that come at them the, the world is too complex to follow an operating manual so again both individuals teams and companies really needs to develop the skills much like a jazz musician that the skills to improvise and and deal with uh, with situations coming at them in real time so let me
2: ask you and we're gonna uh, weave these into you know the specific things in your book but as we're at this part Josh um, <clears throat> Say a little bit about being a jazz musician, what do you play? I know my son is a uh, electric guitar player and his band he's only uh, seventeen has turned into a jam band and just you know listening and watching that and I'm sure you've you know got uh, hours and hours and hours just that kind of moment to moment changing being sensitive to to what's going on with somebody else you know that we would say in the business world is is kind of insight empathy that kind of combination you know
4: say a little bit about you know
2: how, how that uh, has informed you, and, and what do you play, and then that whole aspect, how does that lead you to where you are now?
4: Well, I play real traditional jazz guitar, very old-school stuff, although I play, you know, many styles of music. Um, and in jazz, it's kind of neat. You know, jazz, the way it works is that uh, 99% of the notes are made up as you go. It's spontaneous creativity. It's improv- improvisation. Um, however, there is this 1% in front of you, this sort of sheet music that guide, gives you some guideposts, like what's the key signature and what's the tempo, etc. And funny enough, that one percent though is really important because without it, it sounds like a train wreck. And so this one percent enables the rest of the group and rest of the music to happen. And what happened with with the book is I realized that there really isn't that one percent in the business world. You know, we have systems and processes for everything. There's uh, ISO 9000 for quality control, and there's you know how do you set the alarm? How do you deal with a customer complaint? Yet creativity and innovation, arguably the thing that matters the most, is often left to happen by chance. There is no systematic approach. So what I I tried to do in the book is really take the essence of jazz, which is a framework rather than a rigid, you know, do-what-you're-told manual, uh, and apply that to the business world and allow uh, people inside companies to jam and improvise in the same way that that we jazz musicians do.
3: You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about uh, the dance known as the tango, because again, as you're saying, it's 99% feeling the other person understanding if there's a heart connection, and then using very few architected steps to create a dance that's incredibly passionate. And as you said, uh, you know, kind of makes up the the foundation for the success of what you were referring to as the song or the music. So these, um, uh, I think these principles that you're talking about of creating opportunity For innovation are so important because we actually use them in other parts of our life do you see a corollary there
4: 100% I think creativity is what applies to a number of things besides the business world certainly entrepreneurs need creativity in order to win against the deeply entrenched uh, uh, complacent incumbents um, but at the same time, you know, that's what adds value to our families and, and, and our schools and, and everything else is the ability, by the way, driving enormous human fulfillment and joy, So, it, which you talked about earlier, you know, with happiness. So I, I think that it all does really tie together um, quite well. What's happening in is in the business world, because everything has become commoditized, because you can't control information anymore, control geography, in order to differentiate, in order to really drive uh, significant growth and value, um, creativity, again, has, has become the currency. And you look at Companies like Groupon. Groupon broke the mold, invented a whole new model for couponing, and created six billion dollars of wealth in less than two years. Now since that time there's thousands of people running around trying to do Groupon copycats, and those people are going to uh, miss the bounty of uh, the lion's share of the bounty. So what happens is, and we're seeing it again and again in old industries as well as new ones, that the creativity has become the driving force of success. By the way, this even happens in in old-school businesses. You know, I'm I'm a Detroiter, and here in uh, in our area Ford Motor Company. You know, Ford was faced with the identical challenges that GM and Chrysler were faced with. You know, uh, they had outdated systems, they had big bureaucracies, they had pension issues, they had legacy issues. Anyway, Ford broke through, and if you ask uh, Alan Mulally or Bill Ford, uh, Jr., they'll tell you innovation was the reason that they did it. They innovated, they made their product better, they innovated new systems. Today, that company is incredibly profitable, and the other two uh, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. So we're seeing it again and again that creativity and innovation are really the difference maker between... being a successful champion and being an also ran.
2: Well, the other thing, Josh, I like what you said, and, and Kathy and I say this about leadership, um, and it's really the same thing with innovation, creativity. You know, there is no necessary prescription process, and and you know we typically say that leadership, which part is creativity and innovation, is probably the most important process, and it's haphazard. So let's kind of talk about you know creativity, and first maybe you know how would you define it, and then. And then when you come into organization, you know, how do you break it down? Are there, are there certain steps, you know, to let someone be more creative?
4: Sure. Well, uh, by the way, in terms of defining it, you know, creativity and innovation are often used interchangeably. Um, but I think that innovation is really a subset of a much bigger thing, which is creativity. In other words, innovation might be inventing the new iPod or something, where that's often the focus of CEOs or heads of R&D departments. But creativity applies to us all. There's a concept that I talk about in the book called everyday creativity, which isn't inventing a new product or industry, but doing your job in a slightly more creative way or adding a little bit of value along the way. And those little acts of creativity can add up to be very, very big and meaningful changes. Um, in terms of the process, uh, and I certainly you know love working with companies, but uh, but but the book I think lays it out pretty well. Um, there's a five-step process that I developed, not only as my own ex- through my own experiences as an entrepreneur and a jazz musician, but I had the privilege of interviewing uh, 200 thought leaders. So I interviewed artists and musicians, I interviewed CEOs and billionaires and entrepreneurs, and tried to boil all this collective wisdom down into a very simple and easy to follow process. And so the book lays out this five-step process in which um, individuals. And companies and teams can awaken their imagination, they can drive curiosity, they can prepare their environment and their culture for optimal creativity. Um, the process lays out uh, eight of the most powerful and never, been, never heard of before um, brainstorming techniques, kind of like a, a next-gen version of brainstorming. And that also helps people in the last step of the process decide which are the best ideas of, of all the ideas that you generated and how do you take those and actually put them into action.
3: Now, it's interesting because one of the things that I think all of us suffer from, Josh, is in our everyday routine, we get stuck. And one of the things that Relly and I love to talk about in our webinars and in our coaching programs is looking at your strengths, trying to do more of those, and hand off the things that are really not uh, very fulfilling. You know, things that really don't make your day. I would think that part of getting out of your routine, learning to use more of your strengths, adds to your creativity. Would, would that flow with some of your five-step process?
4: It really would.
3: You know, People always say,
4: oh, I had this idea and I was sitting in the shower. Uh, and that that's a, uh, you know, it's almost cliche. But when was the last time you heard someone say, OK, I was sitting in my cube and I'm checking Facebook and I'm checking my email and updating Twitter and, and sending a text message, answering voicemail, and bam, I'm hit with a lightning bolt of inspiration? You know, it doesn't happen. And so we know that environment makes a difference. We know that uh, great artists would, for example, or, or, or authors would go to beautiful places to, co- to create their work. And in contrast, most of corporate America looks like a sensory deprivation chamber. And we sit in windowless rooms with bad lighting and no stimulus, and then we wonder why we have bland ideas. So I couldn't agree with you more. I think environment matters. And this doesn't have to be a big, expensive thing. I would say take your team to a field trip to a local art museum instead of doing a brainstorm session in a a bad conference room, and you'll be amazed at the difference in terms of results.
2: So that's why I think, when, at least for organizations, and we'll get into um, Josh. I'd love to, love to hear the five steps. so We can break them down for our audience. But that's why people say, well, should we do an offsite? You know, you got the executive team, or, or let's just let's just work here. And I think often they they want to do want to get offsite, just to get a you know change in environment, um, physically but also mentally. So maybe walk us through. I think you you may have said the five steps, but can you delineate those for us, and then maybe we can start zeroing in on those.
4: Sure. Uh, the first step is ask. In this case, you're defining your creative challenge. It,
2: you said ask.
4: Ask. Ask. Yeah. Okay. And so you're defining your creative challenge. Essentially, you're you're look, You're you're defining what's the target that you're going after. What's the business challenge, big or small, that you're going to deploy your creativity against. Um, also, in this step, you're awakening your curiosity, um, which is really like the the. Fundamental building blocks of, of creativity. You're starting to challenge conventional wisdom. You're, you're attacking the status quo. You're asking questions like why, what if, and why not.
3: And so and, the first step again. And is and all Josh, I'm going to I'm going to ask you just to pause on that thought for one second before we get into uh, a lot more depth on this. We're going to come right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News, so don't go away.
0: practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
6: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
2: Today we're talking with Josh Linkner, and he has a book, Disciplined Dreaming. We're just getting into the five steps of creativity, and then we'll ask him you know, more specifically about some of the tools and that you can actually go out and, and get the book for yourself and your organization. So, Josh, you were going to the first step, which was ask kind of defining the, the, the issue, questions, awakening, curiosity, challenging conventions, what if type things. Anything more on that first step?
4: No, oh, I think I think you summed it up, which which really leads us to the second step, uh, which is prepare. Uh, if you think about uh, an athlete let's say you were playing in the Super Bowl, you wouldn't show up five minutes before the game, jump out of a cab and run onto the field and start playing. You would warm up, you'd practice, you'd stretch, you'd get your uniform on, you'd survey the crowd. Um, The problem in the corporate world is that we think about creativity uh, and, and we don't really prepare for it. So we run into a meeting and say, okay, we've got three minutes, we're on a deadline, come up with ideas. And then we wonder why our best thinking doesn't come out. So in the second step of prepare, it encourages people to prepare their physical environment, which we talked about a minute ago. It encourages people to pre- prepare their mindset, as well as their culture, Cre- creating an environment with your colleagues and your team that ideally fosters uh, creativity.
2: So what, so what would be an example of preparing your mindset? Like if, if you know, people were coming to a meeting, we kind of got the idea of, of the physical piece. What would you, what would you say in, in preparing their mind? you know, and coming to this, let's say it's a, you know, talking about innovation or some new products that we need to generate.
4: I'll give you a real simple warm-up exercise. I mean, obviously, there's more in-depth ones in the book. But, um, you know, think about if you're an athlete, you might stretch before the game. So you're you're warming up your physical body. Well, how do you warm up your creative mind, which is specifically the right brain? You know, our brain has two sides, two hemispheres. The left brain is logical, analytical, straightforward thinking, and the right brain is abstract, creative thought. problem is our society is a left-brain society, and our schools are left-brain schools. So it doesn't really tee us up to have the best uh, results in terms of our right brain creative thinking. So here's a real simple thing you can do. Grab a magazine or maybe prepare a couple slides in advance of really interesting pictures of people in activities, Uh, you know, just see people doing something. So it's just a quick snapshot. But ideally, make it so that that snapshot isn't really well-defined. So if I'm throwing you a pass, that's a well-defined snapshot. But if you see people looking concerned inside a crowd, there could be a lot of stories that go along with that picture. And so the idea is take a few pictures that are somewhat vague and ask people, hey, what do you think's going on? What do you think the story is? In other words, if this was a snapshot from a movie, what's going on in the movie right now? So what that simple exercise does is it gets people's right brains thinking in a very different way. Hmm, maybe the woman's concerned because she can't find her son. Or maybe maybe the guy is is, uh, running late to a meeting, but he's about to trip over something and forget his briefcase. So you start uh, using your imagination to tell a story, and, again, it's a really nice warm-up exercise uh, for the right brain.
2: You know, that kind of reminds me, that, you know, I'm a psychologist, and one of the, one of the uh, tests that is the thematic app perception test goes way back, but that's exactly what it is. It's these vague pictures. People make up stories, what happened before, what happened during, what happened afterwards, and they use it more psychologically to kind of get into, you know, what's going on with the person. Just as I imagine there's got to be a lot of wealth and in information and knowing about the individuals, what stories they come up with. Um, One is that kind of insight into others, but it probably does generate some way different ideas when you hear that. So that's a great one.
4: Thank you. And there's a number number of other ones. I'll tell you one that's really fun and easy. Bring a beach ball to a meeting and play a little bit of beach ball for for 90 seconds before you start. It sounds goofy, but it's amazing how the energy and the breathing changes. And, you know, you you guys both talk about happiness and joy, how how people start smiling and become playful. And we know that kids are playful and they have tons of creativity, and this helps kind of bring out that playful spirit in adults.
2: That's great. So that's all the the preparation. The other other thing that I've done, and, and I'm sure Kathy, you've done too, is this idea of kind of clearing the deck. You know, people walk into a meeting exactly like you're saying, and you know they got so much other things that, that's jumbled in their mind, and the and the brain can only hold so much. So all this these activities that you're saying are ways to kind of clear the deck and and, and focus on what's in front of them.
4: That's exactly right. So so anyway, which brings us to the third step, which is discover. And in discover, think about like you're a, uh, an explorer and you're looking for clues. You're, you're, you're a detective, if you will. And discover is kind of like that. It's you're looking under the rocks and finding creativity in less obvious places. Uh, an example of that for, uh, would be um, one of the techniques that we like to talk about in this, in this phase is um, is the borrowed idea. In other words, borrowing an idea from one either different industry or even from nature or the arts and applying it to the problem at hand. I think the classic example here is a guy named George de Mestral was walking his dog in, in the Swiss Alps and got those burrs stuck to his clothes and to his dog. So he goes back home, sticks one under a microscope, and realizes the way that burrs attached to fabric. And he thinks to himself, wow, this could be really an interesting invention. And as the story goes, he became the inventor inventor of Velcro, which became a competitor to the zipper, if you will. So what happened in that case is he borrowed an idea from nature and applied it to something different, in this case as a fastener. And so that happens all the time. There's a company uh, that I research that does... um, Metal, working, metal cutting, so they cut sheets of metal. So they've actually studied uh, the jaws of piranhas and sharks and see how their teeth clamp down on their prey and are, are borrowing some of those techniques for their metal cutting tools. And so what my point is is that you can borrow techniques and borrow ideas from the arts, from sports, from other industries, and apply them to the challenge at hand. It's a really interesting way to awaken your mind and come up with, with fresh thinking.
2: Now, how do, do you, uh, is there a, uh, a strategy on how to do that? You know, do you say, here's this, how, how could you apply this in trying to stretch that right hemisphere?
4: Yeah, there's a number of them. Um, so one thing you can do is you can, um, you can get out uh, a magazine, and as you flip through it, uh, you would say, for example, let's say you flip open to a Coca-Cola ad, you'd say, hmm, how would the scientist at Coke solve my problem? Then you flip over to an ad for the Navy, and you say, "Hmm, how do you think people in the Navy would solve my problem?" You flip over to an ad for uh, a sports team. Hmm, how do you think they would apply uh, where they would they would deal with in sports? So you can, you know, just using some randomness, borrow ideas from other industries. The other thing that we like to do is a technique called a different lens. And in a different lens, you're literally looking at an idea from from different angles. So, um, you know, how would a scientist look at this? How would a, a space engineer look at this? How would a, a physician look at this? How would an actor look at this? And so you're almost projecting yourself and looking at a problem from a different set of eyes. Yeah. That's great. So up to number four. Up to number four, which I don't know. I like them all, but this probably is my favorite, which is Ignite. <laughs> And in Ignite, what you're doing is, is two things. There's two chapters in the, uh, of this section, which is, number one, sparking ideas. And the idea of just getting a little initial sparks. In other words, we often think that unless an idea is fully baked and ready to roll, that it's a bad idea. And it's quite the opposite. It's lighting little teeny sparks and then nurturing those sparks so they become a blazing forest fire uh, of, of a terrific idea. So starting with sparks, but then it moves on to the eight most powerful brainstorming techniques. And these are techniques that, that people haven't heard before. There are new twists on Brainstorming, but they really allow people to connect with uh, a, a huge reservoir of creativity, and that's an under ignite. That is, that's under ignite, and um, I mean, I'll give you an example of one uh, yeah. real quick if you'd like. Sure. Uh, there's one that we like to do um, called uh, edge storming. And we all know what brainstorming is, where you come up with ideas. Uh, the problem with that is that we often play it safe, and we come up with little teeny incremental ideas instead of breakaway ideas. We, we are too afraid to, to, to go really push the boundaries. So in edge storming you have brainstorming with a rule, and the rule is that you have to take your ideas all the way to the edge, all the way to the furthest possible extreme. So you couldn't say in this exercise, hey, let's improve performance by 0.01%. Percent. You'd have to say, how could we quadruple performance? Or you'd say, how, you know, what's, the, what's the loudest product? What's the quietest product? What's the most expensive? What's the least expensive? So if you take a germ of an idea and, again, smash it all the way to the edges – because you're forced to do it, it really helps you break through uh, traditional barriers. Now, after the brainstorming session, you can always ratchet those ideas back to reality or to something that, that is practical, but, but by going all the way to the edges, it really allows you to soar. Really quick example, Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil enters the circus industry, and they, they, most people entering a new industry would say something like this. Okay, we're going into the circus industry. We're going to have one extra elephant. That's going to be our differentiator. Well, as we know, that really wouldn't cut it. It's hard to stand out. It's hard to be another Me Too player. Well, Cirque du Soleil stormed their way all the way to success because they imagined a world that was radically different. They said, what if we injected the arts and dance and theater and costumes and performance and completely broke the mold? Well, today, Cirque du Soleil is a billion-dollar company, and Barnum & Bailey, which was the entrenched leader, uh, filed for, for bankruptcy protection. So by storming, Cirque du Soleil was really able to win.
2: That's a, that's a great example you know and also notice in any of these because knowing about creativity and kind of what can undermine that um, I haven't heard anything about an evaluation yet which um, I think undermines a lot of these ideas uh, so is there anything that you do to kind of set the set the uh, intentions about not evaluating because that would be the left hemisphere coming in and and coming in with all the reasons why this wouldn't work so at least in your four steps uh, you haven't said how you allay that do you is that something that you try to do
4: absolutely I'm so glad you brought that up I mean we talk a lot about what are the barriers of creativity and how to break through them and the book also includes uh, the uh, I think it's the eight the eight uh, commandments of brainstorming to help uh, help help get through those but I'll tell you one thing real quick and you really touched on it we often combine the act of creating and editing at the same time. So it goes something like this. Some person comes up with an idea, and then we all pounce on it. Oh, but what about this? How are we going to raise the money? How are we going to execute it? How is it going to work? You know, uh, Who's going to fund it? Who's responsible for it? What does this mean to my career? And that left brain pounces on this little spark of an idea and extinguishes it. So the best of the best do the following. They separate the creative process into two distinct steps. Step number one is letting it all hang out. Let your thinking fly. Don't judge anything. Just put Every idea you can imagine out on the board, not just the, the the safe ones, the the ludicrous ones, the inappropriate ones, the bizarre ones. Then separately, and don't criticize those, in step two, you really start to go through and analyze, all right, which are the best of, uh,
3: which are the worst. So if you separate that out, you, you become much more creative. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. I am, like... My brain is going in 10 million directions here, so this must be working.
2: Are you you being being creative (laughs) I'm being a
3: little too creative here, so I'm going to take the reins of my brain and ask you to stay right there. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more after this break. You're listening to Leadership Development News.
6: America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
6: the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
1: you're listening to leadership development news profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts dr kathy greenberg and relly nadler We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
3: Welcome back to Leadership
2: Development News. We are tuning up your creativity and listening to Josh Linkner here, his new book, discipline dreaming a proven system to drive breakthrough creativity you can get that at his website www.joshlinkner.com we're just kind of touching the surface of of this we've went through four of your stages the last one was igniting josh and maybe give us the last one and then we will zero in on a couple of other questions after that so what's the
4: last one after ignite the last step in the five-step process is called launch. And in launch, you're reconnecting your left brain and your right brain to kind of create this whole brain thinking. And in this case, what you do, and there's some specific techniques saying this, all right, we've got hundreds of ideas, and the whiteboards are filled with interesting things. How do we take the best ideas and put them into action? How do we sort the, the good ones from the bad ones? And then how do we actually deploy them to something that perhaps could get internal funding, perhaps that we should really uh, be deploying you know, time and resources against? So there's some techniques on how to sort out again, the good from the bad, and then ultimately how to put them into action.
2: Now, when you, when you do that, part of the left brain, um, you know, given I got so many ideas, is some of that kind of establishing criteria for, you know, what's going to be a good decision? Because I often think people, we may do that on our own, but as a group there's not the alignment. Okay, what is the, the three or four things? What's the criteria we're going to balance this against, you know, to even evaluate a good idea?
4: Indeed. So uh, the techniques in this section range from the, the obvious to the more uh, more abstract. So one of them, the more obvious, is you know kind of establishing a list of, of, of criteria and, and putting a numerical score next to each of them and weighting them, et cetera, which is kind of like business school 101. Right. I'll give you a more fun example. Uh, one of them is called the trial-by-jury method. And in this case, if you have two competing ideas, you actually do sort of like a moot court session in which one person is the prosecutor, you know, each, each, there's two lawyers essentially, and each one is representing one of the ideas and trying to sell the idea to the jury. And this is a really fun way to do it and kind of talk through the objections so the other attorney can kind of make counter arguments and you bring out the challenges of the idea into the room. It also is a really nice way to get away from the symptoms that often in meetings, especially in bureaucracies, the person with the fanciest title or the loudest voice right. tends to win in every argument. In. And this really creates much more of a of a democratic approach and allows the the, the best idea to win instead of it's more about who uh, what's right instead of who's right.
2: That's a great one, because yeah, I think some of those you know just like defining those roles, and you can see again this is the disciplined dreaming. Um, so say word about that discipline dreaming, and then we'll get into a couple other questions. So what's the you know the you haven't really mentioned the word dreaming, and it is in your. It is the title of your book.
4: Um, You know, thanks. Yeah, so discipline dreaming, obviously those are words that don't often go together, and I really think they're both so important to the creative process. Dreaming without discipline is just fantasy land. Discipline without dreaming is corporate bureaucracy and and rigidity. So if you put those two together, you're able to enable creativity, but at the same time direct it in a purposeful way that ultimately can apply uh, to the business world. Um, So I, I wanted to create a system, again, that, that, that had both business rigor and fostered imagination. And and so when you say dreaming, um,
2: both Kathy and I and yourself are in the corporate world. Someone goes, what What are you talking about dreaming? I mean, how do you how do you get them uh, interested in this is a This is a good time to dream, or or that dreaming is a good process.
4: Well, to me, the idea of dreaming is, is exploring uh, not what, what is today but what could be. It's allowing yourself to imagine a different future than the current reality. And so that's really what the, the system in the book is all about. It's a way to you know, drive breakthrough creativity by imagining what could be, imagining the possibilities and, and, and allowing yourself the, uh, the freedom and your team the freedom um, to dream,
3: but, again, to dream in a, in a, in a purposeful way. I like that a purposeful way. You know, one of the things that I think that we forget about in terms of our creativity is how we apply our purpose or our sense of purpose in a creative way instead of always thinking that whatever it is that we're doing is uh, it, you know it has to follow the process of those before us. And that's the big difference, don't you think, Josh, between the boomers and the millennials? Uh, they they really, do want to uh, have a lot more creativity in their lives and do it with a lot more as you would say discipline whereas boomers would think of a vision as, as a bad dream <laughs> Well, I can tell you I work with a lot of young people. In my company, E Prize, we have
4: about four hundred people and I think the average age is about twenty eight. And I can tell you, having worked, you know, in the trenches uh, with those types, uh, you know, with that age group, that these are people that are passionately creative. I mean, they are the most inspired and inspiring generation that I can think of. Uh, but at the same time they, they, they have a fairly healthy disregard for uh, the status quo and and, and for hierarchy. They all really oh, come in early on and put their fingerprints on the on the organization. So if, if we as leaders can create uh, culture that both attracts and retains those people, as well as nurtures that creativity, uh, I think that's a really uh, a recipe for success.
3: Yeah, one of the things that Raleigh and I always talk about in terms of recognizing generational differences for developing creativity and these wonderful people that are coming into this uh, this wonderful industry, uh, you know, across the globe that that you know we call as the work world, is. They don't want to fit the mold. They want to make their mark. And um, sometimes it's a struggle because we hold them back.
4: Yeah.
2: So a a couple questions, Josh, before we wind down here. One of the things, you being a Detroiter, you know, one of the questions we have is the M&M Chrysler commercial that aired during the Super Bowl received tremendous uh, attention. How do you see that a turnaround for Detroit? And maybe just say, um, I don't remember that commercial, but maybe just say what it was, and then how, how does that relate to what? what you're talking
4: about. Sure. Well, the M&M commercial on the Super Bowl was uh, really a tribute to Detroit. And it talked about uh, the heritage of Detroit and it showed beautiful footage and talked about um, that the the, uh, the hottest fires form the strongest steel. And so essentially, it really... um, celebrated the history and the heritage of, of Detroit as an important place in our in our country. And it talked to them, you know, the tagline was about the new Chrysler, which is, quote, unquote, imported from Detroit. Anyway, to me, that spoke to the renaissance that's currently happening um, right here in the city of Detroit, which is going from a, what started to be a very vibrant and creative place. You know, chapter one in our history was all about um, imagination and innovation. Folks like Henry Ford put us on the map. Unfortunately, we went through chapter two, the Dark Ages, where we got ta- caught up in corporate bureaucracies and finger-pointing and a sense of entitlement, and our city crumbled. I mean, we really had some very, very difficult challenges. Today, though, I think that we're in Chapter 3, which is the rebirth and the new uh, renaissance of the Detroit area, and I really believe that you're, g- you're not going to recognize this town in 5 or 10 years. I mean, many of us are, are passionately committed to rebuilding this, this place, and I'll tell you, honestly, it's a privilege to have the uh, opportunity in one's lifetime to rebuild a great American city.
2: That's great. What's, so... Um That makes a lot of sense. Say a little bit about ePrize, you know, your company, your current company that you're working with. What do you do, and and how do people get in touch with some of the uh, services that you have?
4: Well, E-Prize, I moved to a chairman role, so I'm not there on a day-to-day basis. E-Prize does digital marketing um, uh, for major brand advertisers. Um, I recently moved uh, and started a venture capital firm here in Detroit called Detroit Venture Partners, and we are investing in seed and early-stage technology companies and they're really helping to rebuild, again, the city of Detroit, in this case, through entrepreneurship, by backing uh, powerful companies. If we can have a hit or two, if we can have the next Facebook or Groupon get started here in Detroit, um, just think about the difference that, that can make on our region.
3: Oh, absolutely! I can't imagine that you would not be inspired by participating in that. Let me just give our audience your two websites once again, Josh, and that's www.creativitygeneration.com and www.joshlinkner.com. And Josh, is there any other way that you would like our listeners to get a hold of you at either ePrize or get a hold of your book, at Disciplined Dreaming? Thank you.
4: No, the easiest thing is just to go visit joshlinkner.com, and uh, there's links to uh, Amazon and other places where you can buy it. And, uh, again, it's really been a privilege to, uh, to share some thoughts with you today.
3: Uh, we, we love having great, innovative, creative people like you on the show, and we love it that people want to tune in to tune up their leadership by really learning from folks like you, and it's such a gift for all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.
2: Thanks, Josh. Bye-bye. This has been Leadership Development News. We're always glad to bring you new new, innovative ideas like Josh. So if you can just put one or two of these things together for yourself or for your team, and I encourage you to go do that right after you listen to this um, and bring some creativity and leadership to your organization. This is Leadership Development News signing off for now.
1: You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers, with your hosts Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Business Channel.